Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, well, it looks like we're finding ourselves back in the woods once again. It seems that there are more than just cryptids lurking in the shadows behind those trees. It seems there's a little bit of everything haunting these woods out there. Welcome back to the swamp and welcome if you're new, my friends. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. Joining me today is my good friend, Darkness Prevails. If you're unfamiliar with their channel, be sure to check it out. You can find a link to do so in the description down below. They also upload scary and anomalous stories on everything cryptid, supernatural, and natural. So definitely give them a check out. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's a story from the woods or something completely different, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, without further ado, let us jump right into these creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. I haven't talked about this experience or even thought about it in many years. I'm 32 years old and this happened when I was 17. As I've been listening to your stories, it jogged my memory a bit. It might not be the longest story, but it is true, and kind of creepy. I live in the Finger Lakes region of New York State, and spend as much time outdoors as I can, especially in the summer months. When this happened, it was the end of June, sticky, hot, and humid. My then-boyfriend, Adam, was a skeptic toward the paranormal but I consider both the worldly and the otherworldly possibilities for explanations. Neither one of us were into using any kind of substances at that point. This summer was just a few months after I had formally taken up Civil War reenacting as a Union soldier, a hobby I still enjoy for both the history and the camping. I have a Civil War era pup tent that is two pieces of five foot canvas buttoned together and propped up on sticks and the modern addition of two triangle-framed end pieces. There is no floor. That's important later. Adam and I decided to try the tent out at a spot we know well. A short walk down a roadside, we pull off into a trail where there's nice waterfalls and woods all around. The locals frequent this area, so it's not quite, I would say, middle of nowhere, but it is pretty rural. The river continues after the waterfall through the ravine and it's maybe 100 feet down, at a 60 to 75 degree angle in some spots on the descent. Though, it is technically on private property, the area is well known and often accessed. The two of us secured the tent and the rest of our supplies to our backs, climbed down into the ravine, and set up camp before taking a swim under the waterfall as it got dark. We enjoyed the fire, ate some dinner, and got down to activities that, well, are predictable for two young people in love and unsupervised. It was about 10 p.m. 
and we had moved into the tent when things finally settled down enough to hear the crackling of the fire and noises of the river and forest beyond. Living up such a cliché moment, we were laying there silently when a noise stood out from among the din of the forest and river. The breaking loose of shale rocks, the distant noise of them sliding down the ravine face and into the river. It was relatively normal for random, small pieces to break away from the rock face, but this was accentuated, exaggerated, like the sounds we made when we descended into the ravine. It's the sound when rocks are dislodged under the weight of a pressure of a foot. Instantly, I was filled with panic. Did you hear that? I hissed into Adam's ear, gripping his shoulder. I, I don't know, he said quietly. We froze and listened, trying to decipher which direction the footfalls were coming from. A few moments later, the rock shifted again, and we heard the distinct shuffling of a bipedal creature near the same area. This was the same spot that we descended into the ravine earlier. Something's coming, I whispered, my fingers digging deeper into his skin. Something's out there. Our tent was right in the open of the riverbank, with nowhere to go but up the rope path or continue down the river, both of which were out of question in the dark and rocky terrain. We were also both naked. I pressed my head to the ground to get a view of the ravine wall through the gap at the base of the tent but I saw nothing other than the occasional rock that made a splash in the river. The fire was still lit on the other side of the tent, so I knew whoever or whatever it was was out there, and it could see us, though we could not see them. As scared as I was, I knew we were both growing cold in the night air. The tent had only our bodies and the sleeping bags inside, and someone needed to at least grab our clothes. And the closest things to weapons we had were a small axe for chopping wood and our pocket knives. Adam resolved to collect our supplies, but when he emerged from the tent, he instantly stood and turned toward the ravine, looking up from where the noises came from. Don't, I whisper screeched, terrified for him to grab our stuff and get back in the tent with me. It's canvas, the only protection we had. Still, the first thing I did when he darted back into the tent was ask, did you see anything? He shook his head, pulled on our clothes, and then the merriment of our summer night excursion was gone. As we prepared for whatever it was to finish its descent into the ravine, he held the hatchet and I had a pocket knife, bracing for the fight of our lives. The footfalls stopped. We lay trembling, watching with one eye at the gap where the tent met the ground. My heart pounded in my ears, and after several moments he whispered, I don't hear anything. Me either, I finally said. What should we do? Adam shook his head to indicate he did not know. Turning to look back at the trail, he asked if I thought it might be another guy, one from school who had expressed romantic interest in me. No way, I disagreed, whispering, so I could continue to listen for more rock displacement. He has no idea we're here, and there's no way he could get down this in the dark with no light. Adam looked at me doubtfully, but when the noises returned, his head snapped back and was looking through the gap of the tent. Once again, the sounds were coming from the descent in the ravine. Leave us alone, I shouted, earning a shocked expression and a shh from my partner. They know we're here. They can see the fire. They can see us, I reasoned. The footsteps followed my outburst, but were less frequent and eventually stopped. We laid in each other's arms in the direct center of the tent, with as much gear as we could fit inside making a nest around us to block the gap between the bottom of the tent and the ground. We must have eventually found sleep because at some point I blinked and the pre-dawn light was filtering through my eyes, 
and it was morning. As soon as we were both awake, it was time to pack up and head out. But first, I walked around our campsite looking for anything out of the ordinary or that wasn't there yesterday. I found several footprints of a larger work boot and a few granola bar wrappers. Adam said they could have easily been there and overlooked the night before, but I would have remembered a shiny piece of trash like a granola bar wrapper. Over the years, I've wondered repeatedly what we encountered that night. It could have been the property owner, but there's zero reason for this person to have descended into the ravine down the ropes in the dark without any light and approached us when there was a flatter side and you could have just used a flashlight. It could have been a peer screwing with us, even that other guy, but no one knew that we were there. And none of our friends that we knew were as experienced as we were in hiking. So, to this day, I'm not sure of who or what was down there with us. Maybe it was nothing, but maybe not. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. I've never told anyone this story before. Since I was scared, they'd think I'm insane. I was a 13-year-old girl with rather bad eyesight. I was never an outdoor person. I liked staying inside my room, and I hated leaving it, since I always felt unsafe and anxious around everyone, family and strangers alike. So my parents decided to send me and my younger sister, who was two years behind me, on a one-week camping trip during the wonderful month of August. Saying that I wasn't very happy about it would be an understatement. We arrived on the campground where I met my camp leaders. There were three in total, ages ranging from 19 to 22. I was put into a tent with a few other girls. We set up our sleeping bags for the night, yet none of us slept. The others were just chatting the entire night while I listened. When morning came, we were all very tired. I could tell they weren't used to staying up all night. Personally, I had a very broken sleep schedule. I would sleep for about four hours a week, so I was fine. Or rather, I was used to it. That day, we did some camp activities, like learning how to start a fire and how to identify plants. I even saw a couple of deer. I'll skip ahead a few days since nothing happened for the next three days. On the second to last night to spend at the camp, I really wanted to go back home. Again, I couldn't sleep, so I was just using a very subtle nightlight to read. It barely illuminated the pages, since I was careful not to wake up the leaders and the girls in my tent. It was then I noticed how eerily quiet it was, other than my slow breathing and the pages I was turning. I brushed off this unease, this silence, and decided to enjoy it. After all, I think silence is underrated. Suddenly, the girl next to me woke up, and groggily told me she wanted to use the bathroom, but she was too scared to go alone. I mean, who wouldn't be? The nearest bathroom was at least two miles away, and walking those two miles in the woods and then back uphill would be tiring to say the least. I gave her a comforting smile, telling her I'd go with her, even though I wanted to stay in the tent in the warmth of my sleeping bag and the peacefulness of my light yellow glow of my nightlight. I twisted my ankle a day prior, and it hurt, but I didn't bring it up 
and I endured it. I got out of the tent with the slightly taller girl, and I turned on my flashlight. We walked slowly about 100 feet into the woods, so we wouldn't disturb anyone. She quickly went behind a tree then and did her business, while I used my flashlight to observe the darkness of the woods. An immense amount of dread hit me like a buzz, and I thought I was having another panic attack. My anxiety became worse when I saw movement out of the corner of my eye. On reflex, I pointed my flashlight in that direction. Amelia. A familiar voice called out. My sister's voice. Wait, my sister's voice? She was eight miles away on the other side of the campground in a cabin. I was confused. My sister could never walk that far, in the dark, no less. She was scared of the dark, and her stamina was low. I turned to where the voice came from, and I pointed my flashlight in that direction. Just out of the light's glow stood a girl, just an inch shorter than me, with short brown hair and a naturally skinny figure. The more I inspected her, the more I noticed. She was skinnier than usual, actually. My sister is already very petite. You can see her bones through her skin. But that girl I saw in the forest, who resembled my sister, I could see each and every bone in her body exactly where it was, and her joints appeared broken. That was when my campmate finished her business. She came back and reached for my arm. When she made contact with me, I flinched. It's just me, she said. Her voice held concern and emotion, but it was just her. Amelia. My sister called out again. It seemed as if her voice was a recording getting played repeatedly. I kept looking at the figure until the girl behind me asked barely above a whisper, Who is that? In a questioning tone, I answered, It looks like my sister, but it can't be her. I spoke in a quiet whisper. The girl barely heard me. We should go. I said sternly this time, but I tried to keep my voice barely above a whisper. So the two of us did what any logical people would do. We ran. My ankle hurt so much, but I never stopped, and I could hear that thing that looked like my sister trying to catch up to us. It was fast, but we were faster. We got to the campgrounds, and we immediately got inside the tent. Only then did I realize how bad my ankle actually hurt. Oh, what's that smell? The girl to my left said, It smelled of rot and iron, a smell I was familiar with due to living on a farm for eight years of my life. I quickly replied with, Somebody probably took a dump near the campsite. I lied, knowing they'd believe me. Probably just one of the boys. The girl replied with a tired eye roll. I smiled at her and told her she should get some rest. Everyone who had awakened went back to sleep. I stayed up the rest of the night, staring out the small opening of the window of our tent. It was still there, yet it no longer looked like my sister. Instead, it looked like my mother. A creepy smile stretched across its face. I made eye contact with it. My mother's green eyes had been replaced with a milky white. I looked away after noticing that. I kept thinking, I need to make it through this night. 
just tonight and tomorrow night, and I can go back home. I was doing my best not to have a panic attack. Finally, morning came, and we went through our usual day. But, of course, night returned. That night, I tried my best to fall asleep, which I actually did. The following morning, we packed our things and said our goodbyes. I got in my parents' car with my sister when they showed up. My mother and father greeted us with smiles, asking about our trip. It was decent. I replied in my usual quiet, monotone voice. I thought it was fun. My little sister smiled with joy lacing her tone. It was her. It wasn't that creature, that mimic. I was relieved to know this was my real sister. We got home, and I immediately took a shower, and after unpacking, I went skateboarding, which I do to get my mind off of things. That day, I made a conclusion that I would never go camping again. I grew up in a small town called Oak Hill, West Virginia. 14 years ago, when I was 11, me and my younger sister, who was 6 at the time, went into the woods behind my grandparents' house. We've been in these woods a dozen times before and knew them very well. This time, we decided to go on a different path in and see if we could find something cool to take pictures of or bring back to show our grandparents. About an hour of walking later, we started to get into a section of woods we haven't seen before. Us being excited and not worried about it, getting dark soon, decided to get exploring around the area. My sister yelled out to me, Hey, look at this old building! I didn't believe her at first, since she always makes jokes about stuff like this. But when I turned around and walked away... But when I turned around and walked the way she was standing, I saw what looked like a church in the middle of a small clearing. We looked at each other in complete shock, but ran down the small hill and straight up to the doors. She looked through the window and ducked down quickly. My body did the same. Just out of reaction, I guess. I asked her what she saw and she said, There's an old guy sitting in a chair. Against my better judgment, I popped my head up and investigated the window further. Sitting in the middle of the church was an old guy in what looked like a makeshift throne. I grabbed my sister's arm and we ran the way back to the house. By the time we had gotten back, it was late and my grandfather was halfway across the yard with a flashlight and yelling for us to come in. As soon as we got into the yard, he could tell something spooked us and started screaming, It's behind you! Run! Of course, being scared out of our minds, we believed him and ran into the house both in tears. What's wrong this time, you two? My grandma asked. My sister explained what we had seen, and my grandma laughed it off like it was a made-up story, but we kept insisting that it was not and got so worked up our grandpa decided to go out there in the morning and look. I couldn't get to sleep that night. My mind was just trying to make sense of what we had saw, trying to make any sort of explanation, but I couldn't. Why was this church in the middle of the woods? And why was an old man just sitting there? None of it made any sense to me. In the morning, my grandma woke us both up and told us to eat breakfast before our parents came and get us. Where's grandpa? My sister asked. Out looking for this church you were all telling us about last night, our grandma said. My heart dropped. I got this major unsettling feeling and it wouldn't go away. For some reason, I decided to go out there with him and help him find it. With my backpack full of some snacks and water, I made my way out to the woods, 
to the path that we took yesterday, but it seemed longer this time. I felt sick and threw up twice just from being scared. My grandpa must have heard me and called out to me and tell me he would wait for me to catch up. Knowing that he was okay and not far ahead of me, I ran up the path. You look sick. You okay? He asked. Yeah, just nervous is all, I replied. He laughed and continued walking. We got to the clearing where I knew we had been yesterday. I pointed to the hill and the church was a bit further down, I told him. What the hell is that? muttered my grandpa under his breath. See, we told you, I whispered. We made our way down to the doors and walked right in. Something I wish we had never done. The old man was sitting in the chair, the same as he was yesterday. He was there, and he instantly jumped up and suddenly screamed, May the shepherd of Azazel protect me! Falling over his makeshift throne, out of utter confusion, my grandpa yelled back, What the hell does that mean? This old guy was in tears screaming nonsense about this Azazel and how he would kill us if we would hurt him. Not knowing what to do, my grandpa called the police to get someone to come evaluate this man. While we stood outside the doors, we could hear what sounded like a prayer. With this oil, may the shepherds of your grace guide me to your kingdom. I turned around and looked in the window to see the man light himself on fire. Hands covered my eyes and ears while the man screamed in pain. Once it was quiet, my grandpa let go of me and told me to go back to the house and wait for the police. I was horrified. Never would I have imagined that I would witness a suicide, let alone something so gruesome. Screaming bloody murder as I made my way to the other side of the woods into the house, I could hear police sirens in the distance. Once I got to the porch, I saw an officer talking to my parents and grandma on the driveway. Immediately, I yelled to the officer to come on, and he followed behind me with two paramedics. I explained to him what we saw and that we needed a fire truck. When we got to the clearing, the church was up in flames and some of the trees around it had started to catch too. My grandpa was waiting for us. Two hours later, the fire was put out and an investigation started. Much later, we were told about this old man. He must have been part of a local cult called the Shepherds of Azazel. Robes were found in a small chest behind the church as well as Bibles that had pages tore out. To this day, the scene of this crazy old man lighting himself on fire haunts me. It's something you'd never think that would happen in your town, let alone two miles behind your grandparents' house in the middle of the woods. Weird things that are broadcasted on this podcast don't normally happen to me, but I do recall something that my brother experienced about six years ago, which I couldn't quite see or figure out exactly what it was. It gives me the chills every time I go to my grandparents' house. When I'm sleeping upstairs, I pull back the shades to peer out the window, expecting to see something down below, but only my brother has seen anything so far. At least I thought. I'll dive into this later. But my brother's story is this. I won't name him. He wishes to remain anonymous. My brother is often reserved and hard to talk to, ever since he was young. But after my cousin started telling us about their stories, he was in a little bit more of an open mood to tell us about, whatever this is. It all started with a little incident in my grandparents' living room, where he sat alone playing checkers with himself. Don't ask me why he was playing checkers with himself, he just was, I know, weird. But what was weirder was this. My brother began to place the pieces on the board, but they kept falling off. He was confused, since maybe the table was horizontal or something like that. It wasn't lopsided or anything, but no matter how many times he placed the pieces down, 
they would slide off to the other end of the board. Some feeling made him look behind him. He couldn't quite explain the feeling, but he turned around and saw this thing. It didn't make any sense. It was a full human skeleton just standing there behind him on the other side of the room, perfectly still. My brother froze and stared at this thing for a few seconds before the skeleton bolted across the room, and so did my brother, rushing to the screen door and booking it outside. He didn't tell anybody about what he had seen that day until years later. I asked him why, and he explained that nobody would believe him, but he is 100% positive that what he saw was no hallucination. My brother has never touched a joint, no drugs, or anything like that, especially since he was only about 10 at that time so I'm pretty damn sure what he saw was something more legitimate than a hallucination. The second incident on that vacation wasn't as creepy, but still enough to scare my brother. Before going to brush his teeth upon returning to his room, something below the floor bumped him. He jumped up and moved off to the side, but the thing went directly underneath the carpet and bumped even harder. This kept happening, and my brother, in the state of shock he was in, just threw himself into bed. Another bump could be heard after. That was directly under his bed. We were asleep at the time, but I was surprised none of us woke up. The third time was the creepiest, because this time I heard something weird. But at this point, my brother was already really stressed out. He kept telling me about this thing in the woods by the house that was stalking him. Me, being the person I was and still am, decided to help him find this thing and figure out what it was. We made our way into the ivy woods to help him out and find this thing. We were looking around, and I didn't see anything. So we decided to split up. I would go to the front and he would go to the back. These woods aren't too deep and too dense. I found nothing, but out of nowhere my brother started running and screaming, I saw it, I swear I saw it again. I ran with him to the edge of the woods, but found nothing. Sadly, I was disappointed and told him that I was done searching for the day and began to head upstairs to watch some TV. When I returned downstairs later that night, my brother looked like he had seen a ghost. I asked him what was wrong but he was hard to talk to at this point. I didn't want to pressure him, especially after him getting mad at me for, you know, obviously not believing his story earlier. He was dead serious. He told me that he had seen that thing again. It kept coming from the wood line and coming to the windows of the house. He said he saw something black jump down from one of the redwood trees, which was about 200 feet high. I told him that it was probably one of the ravens since they were pretty big, and that seemed like the most sensible answer to give to him. No, man, he said. It's not a raven. What did it look like? I asked. Like, like a monkey, like an ape. At this point, I wasn't sure if I believed him anymore. Even somehow, a monkey had escaped from the zoo. Jumping from a 200-foot redwood tree would probably kill it. But then, my brother revealed to me that he saw it not only once, but twice. This creature continued to stalk him again, hopping over a wall, but not before turning around and gritting its teeth and disappearing over the wall, never to be seen again, or so we thought. We talked about this to our cousins and got an unexpected answer. All three of them knew about the creature, and as crazy as it might sound, they've all seen it in different forms. The oldest cousin talked about seeing something like a man running in the woods with practically no neck to speak of, while my second oldest cousin said he saw something like a knight dressed in dark armor in the woods. He gave it the name The Dark Knight, then I remembered my grandma would tell us stories about something abnormal in the woods. They called it the Geeker and said something about its features being undecided. He explained it like it was a bunch of predatory animals mixed together that prowled in the creek. 
I'm not so sure how much of this has to do with this story, but I found it really weird. Nobody has ever been able to answer what is going on in those woods, and honestly, I don't think I need the answers. All I know is that we've been blessed enough not to be attacked. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's an encounter in the deep woods or something different entirely, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep us going on a daily basis. If you enjoyed these stories tonight, please be sure to give this video a like. It helps us out a ton in the YouTube algorithm. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, give this a 5-star rating if you would. It helps us a ton over there. If you're new to the swamp and haven't joined us yet, why not? Be sure to hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications because I upload new episodes almost every single day and all things natural and supernatural. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium but would still like to download your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories and listen to them wherever you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you'd like to support the Swamp outside of that, maybe check out the merch store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. If you could let me know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight, that would be very helpful. It helps me pick out more stories similar to those in the future. Don't forget to join me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.